You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. I am Jake Martin, joined by Jamie Fox, Puff Daddy himself. That was pretty enthusiastic, Jake. I yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, for yeah. seven o'clock on a rainy uh, Friday morning. You know, I try to learn from the best. Aaron Dietrich sets the he sets the bar high every day, so I'm just trying to live up to that. Well, but, I'm even more impressed that you did that a little bit under the weather this morning. And uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Jake Martin is taking one for the team this morning. Um, but uh, most of you, with this weather being what it is, I'm sure some of you are fighting little nagging colds and so forth. But uh, none bigger than what. Uh, Arizona Wildcats are fighting this morning. Don't remind me because I had them going to the Final Four. My bracket's already jacked up. Uh, We'll get to that much more later uh, as we got all kind of March Madness to talk about. We've got some local hoops to talk about, lots of local action. But first, Puff, I wanted to start today with the news of Tom Benson passing. That came out after uh, we got off the air yesterday. And so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I, I know you and Terry got to talk about it a little bit on the sports company yesterday. But, uh, I mean, obviously he meant so much to the state, so much to New Orleans. Uh, the fact that he stepped up in 1985 and did buy the team when there was talks of relocating. Um, and he stepped up for the Pelicans too, bought them in 2012. Mm-hmm. And so I know uh, you're, you're a big Louisiana guy. You're a big South Louisiana guy. Uh, what did Tom Benson mean to you? Well, simply he was, you know, the face of the franchise, obviously, of, of, of both of those uh, because uh, I think, again, I think uh, when I read uh, some of the uh, accounts of what happened there at the end of Oshner's Hospital, uh, I'm very familiar with, um, where he passed away, his wife Gail was, was with him. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's – it's appropriate that she be the one because I think Gail Benson behind the scenes was one of the driving forces in in the redemption of, I would say, of Tom Benson to some mm. extent. I think Tom Benson was had a foot and a half out the door for San Antonio yeah. when Katrina hit. And uh, if you've never seen Gail Benson, she's, a, just, you, she's the epitome of class, uh, exhibits it in every way, shape, and form, and uh, that's one thing Tom Benson did extremely well, among a lot of things, is he uh, he married a very classy lady. And she, everyone's familiar with the lawsuit and so forth. And I'm, I'm, I tend to lean a little bit toward Gail Benson's side. And I think Tom Benson was smart enough to do it as well. Uh, a lot of health issues in the last few years. Uh, you can't argue with 90, um, although, you know, we wish uh, he'd been in Oshner's for it, had he lived one more day, it'd have been exactly a month. Yeah, I knew it was around a month. Yeah, one more day. Uh, today would have been a month at, at, at Oshner's with the flu, and everyone knows about that. But as far as what he meant to me in the in the city and the state, I think it's uh, uh, he was everybody's owner. Uh, the you know the scenes of him going around the Superdome with the umbrella and everything. He became uh, the people's choice. I saw that. Uh, you know, a lot of second line that outside the Superdome in front of his statue last night, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty appropriate. Uh, he's going to be very, very missed. And uh, he literally, I think, in, in some respects, from Steve Gleason to Katrina to all these things, he'll be the one that will be looked at as by keeping the Saints here. Maybe he didn't want to at first by buying the Pelicans. He brought back something that Louisiana needs really bad, and that's a sense of pride. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that Super Bowl win and so forth, uh, I think he galvanized the state. And uh, so far, you know, by and large, there's been cracks in it every once in a while, but Tom Benson uh, is not replaceable. And uh, we're very, I think we're all very, very grateful he crossed our path. And it wasn't just, and Sean brought this up, it wasn't just on the football side. He brought even back Dixie Beer which we should have not never lost in the first place. So he, the car dealerships, the uh, he gave up. Not just if you really look at it, Jake, from the standpoint of economic rollover and the uh, the effects he had from the people he employed as a result of the Saints, the dealerships, the beer distributorships, all these things. 
Um, we owe a lot to Tom Benson, and uh, it's a great, great loss, but uh, very much a life well lived. Agreed 100%. And I tell you, Puff, I can't do any better than that. Great tribute to Tom Benson there. Uh, Richie says, Jamie is everywhere. Yes, he is. I'm glad he's here with me <laughs> right now. Well, thanks. Uh, Quint says, congrats to the Lady Texers for making it to the postseason. It was only a few short years ago that this team was near unwatchable. Brooke has reinvigorated this team with her passion and has them on the right track. So let's go there, Puff. Uh, Lady Texters didn't go their way last night. They fell to Missouri State 63-59 to in the first round of the WNIT. I think the thing that Brooke first points to is the 21 turnovers and shooting less than 50% at the free throw line. I think that doomed Louisiana Tech last night. Yeah, and I think these, these last two games are really not indicative of the season. You know, I think they finished 19-12, and 12, but with two losses, they're late uh, in the quarterfinals opening round. Uh, there in Frisco, they fell to North Texas. Uh, it almost seems like maybe this is a, a team that just ran out of bodies there at the end. Um, but it only has one senior on it. Alexa Malone, appropriate enough, she w she missed a kind of a close shot in there late that would have cut it uh, to two, I think, uh, maybe late in that ball game. But, uh, you know, a tremendous effort. I think this is the uh, – I read something the other day. Uh, I think Louisiana Tech has had 33 trips to the postseason in their 44-year history. And, uh, you know, again, numerous NCAA trips, uh, NIT trips, unfortunately that – I don't have that with me this morning that I had yesterday, but uh, listened to the call late, a little disappointed. But Missouri State's a very good ball club, too. They came in with over with 20 wins. So, sure. Uh, I don't think you and looked in the scope of things. I agree at that, with that comment. I think it's it's uh, the direction of this program. If this, if this roster holds together, it only loses one senior. Yeah, and let's not forget about some of the big wins they had this year. Kind of a, a Jekyll and Hyde sort of situation this year, but – they proved that they could beat, you know, quality teams on the floor this year, and I, I look for them to do the same next year. Uh, Talking about, you know, local teams taking losses, ULM took a loss last night as well in the CIT against Austin P. They had a bit of a slow start. Uh, they kind of struggled with Austin P's size. They were out-rebounded, and uh, Austin P got, got a majority of its points in the paint, but they fell 80-66. to 66. Uh, Travis Munnings had 20 points in the loss. But ULM goes 6 for 25 from behind the three-point line. That's something Aaron and I talk about a lot is usually when ULM wins, they're usually shooting at a high percentage from behind the arc. They didn't do it last night, and thus they fell to Austin P. Well, I think it's a, a, a you know a program that, that has always had problems scoring points in the paint and defending. It's a very perimeter-oriented uh, ball club. Uh, again, you have to look at give that perspective. I mean, this is a ball club that I think, you know, at one point was literally on life support. And uh, I think they finished 500 this year, 500 in the conference. Uh, Travis Munnings, you know, hopefully will be back and a, a few others. They have to, you know, they have to try to get some more bigs in there. Alabacus is the one there at 6'11 that uh, is the only thing in the in the pain. And he's had to uh, probably would have benefited from a redshirt year, but he is, you know, hopefully his game is rounding into shape. So, again, uh, I think if you look at, at – both Louisiana Tech, the Lady Techers, and the um, ULM men's team. It's that's not the way they wanted to go out. I think I, w I would like to think that Austin P isn't, uh, you know, isn't 14 points better. But uh, last night they were there in Clarksville, and so hopefully, um, you know, ULM will rebound. They got to have a good recruiting class. There's no question about it. They've got some big holes to fill. Marvin Jean Pierre, uh, Jordan Harris. Uh, and a few others escaped. I, I think I think the future's bright for ULM basketball. I think they have a chance to be really, really good next year. Yeah, particularly if Alabacus can develop a you know you know a little bit stronger inside over the course, and then of course Munnings. But you've got to. Uh, I think their their biggest problem is they got to find some bigs. Uh, yeah, and, uh, true. But let's not forget. I mean, Michael Ardle's coming back. That's that's exciting to build around. That's a really exciting thing to build around. Uh, that young man from Indianapolis has been a find and. Uh, I think they've got a lot to be excited about. Uh, they lose some big pieces, but, uh, again, um, you know, I think they'll be fine if they can just uh, plug those holes that uh, Pierre defensively was a, was a stopper, Jordan Harris and that crowd. So, anyway, uh, we closed the book on uh, Louisiana Tech, the Lady Techers and the ULM men's team. The Bulldogs had a, a little bit of a, a tough year, but, again, what, one senior, Jacoby Boykins, 
Uh, they did lose Jalen Harris to transfer to Nevada. So uh, I think Eric Conkle's team will be in the uh, conversation next year with uh, Conference USA as far as uh, uh, maybe going deep in the in the conference playoffs next year. I agree. Uh, I want to st- I want to stick with ULM for a minute because. So often we come on here and we talk about the attendance and the price of tickets and what so and what forth. But yesterday, I, I got to give ULM credit today. Yesterday, ULM comes out with new ticket prices and they drop it by $20 on lower chair, upper chair, lower bench, and general admission for season tickets. And they got the news out yesterday, which I, which I think is just fantastic. Uh, I, I'm happy to see this because I think ULM is building something very exciting. By the way, we got a four-down segment coming up um, later on in the show. We're going to talk about spring football with our local. Yes, we are. With our local schools, we're going to talk about uh, some free agency talk. So uh, we'll get some football in t- uh, later today because uh, you know I, I got you on the show, Jamie. I know you and I. Uh, that's that's probably what we know the most is football. So yeah. uh, play to our strengths here today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got plenty of March Madness talk as well. Speaking of March Madness, uh, Puff, I, I just want to say this: Arizona, of course, was the biggest news yesterday. Them losing, um, it, it crushed a lot of brackets. I already said it crushed mine. Uh, but you look at that: the Pac-12 is out. The yes. Pac-12 is no longer has a team, and that's by the way the first time uh, that a major conference, and I'm including the Big East with the Power Five, first time a major conference hasn't had a team go into the second round in the in the NCAA March Madness tournament. So that's that's really shocking news. And a lot of people had Arizona going all the way. I know, I know. Um, so that was shocking. My other big takeaway from yesterday, and again, we'll get deep into all March Madness talk coming up, but my other big takeaway yesterday was that you had a lot of teams put up these upset bids, mm-hmm. and the favorites were just able to squeak them out. I mean, you saw it game after game after game. Um, I think maybe a reason for that is because you don't have any really great teams. You mm-hmm. have a lot of good teams. And so maybe for that reason, they understand that they really do have to play. I know it's cliche to say you got to play at your best or you'll get eliminated. But let's face it, when you have some of the talent that some of these teams have, and look at Arizona, they came into the tournament winning that Pac-12 mm-hmm. tournament, and they looked unstoppable. I mean, DeAndre Ayton – I was just praising him Wednesday. Remember, we were breaking down the bracket, and I was like, I don't think anybody's going to be able to stop him in this tournament. Wrong. You know, I mean, you start believing your own hype. I think, for the most part, a lot of these teams can't afford to believe their own hype, and therefore, I think we saw less upsets. Well, you know, obviously, you know, the, the storyline of was Arizona-Buffalo, uh, but also, you know, I think the maybe the uh, first round show that, these teams like Stephen F. Austin couldn't couldn't quite Davidson couldn't quite finish it off, uh, but that was that was a tremendous ball game. San Diego State Houston lived up to the hype. All the eight and nine games for the most part, yeah. which are all your, you know, very closely contested. I want to give a shout out to uh, my friend DJ Dave Robinson. He pointed something out to me. If this is indeed true, I haven't done the research on it, but uh, if this is indeed true that, and I, I assume this is across all. You know the CIT, NIT, CBI, and so forth. Uh, the Pac-12 is one and eight, I believe. Wow! Across the uh, across the spectrum there, uh, and again that uh, to me it was the near upsets that got my attention. Uh, and then you know you mentioned I, I didn't watch it, but the uh, the South Dakota State Ohio oh, State game, almost, the Jack Rabbits had almost a happened. They did have a chance, and I'm going to rant on them later because they absolutely blew it. But Mike Dom. Ooh, he was worthy of the hype. He was fun to watch. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things this is great, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be shown, you know, late uh, as we get deeper into the tournament. The uh, It showed a bunch of kids, uh, Loyola students, at a bar in Chicago mm. when that winning shot was hit. And just the euphoria. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't realize this, Loyola. And, and they have a, a, a nun that, that gives them a prayer yes. before every game. Did you see that? Yes. Boy, was that gold. Yeah. Her, seeing her uh, yeah. reaction to the win was was. Priceless. And a 19, uh, I think Loyola actually won it all in 1963. Yeah. So uh, I hope I'm getting her age right. 93 years 93, old? I believe. The yeah. Ramblers of uh, of Loyola University. And those kids, uh, I'm very familiar with the Loyola to some extent. I had a, uh, 
friend of mine that, that uh, is in the administration up there, it's a very expensive school to go <laughs> to, but a very good school. And, uh, you know, they're in the, right in the heart of Chicago, uh, and it was just great to see those kids. At a, I, I, this is what I'm right with you, Jake. This is why we love it. Oh, I mean, so the, good. This but, is what March is all about, man. Oh, if some of those other games had gone, just the Davidson-Kentucky game, for example, which Look. was right there. And look, Stephen F. Austin yes. had me sweating because I have Texas Tech going pretty far, too. Yes, you do. And uh, so when I saw Stephen F. Austin hanging in there and actually leading for the majority of the game, I was I was sweating bullets watching that one. But uh, we'll get into much more March Madness later. I want to I want to touch on real quick uh, before we hit our parting shots. The Pels fell again last night. They fell to the Spurs 98-93. to uh, they gave it. They gave a run at it late, and really, Marcus Aldridge was unstoppable for for a chunk of the first half, and then Anthony Davis came on late in that uh, first half and had 17 points before halftime uh, to get, you know, the Pelicans within two. It was 60-58 at halftime, but you know, Spurs come out, make adjustments, and pull off the victory this time. They weren't going to allow uh, the the Pelicans to to come back from 15 and win again. You know, I'm worried about the Pelicans just uh, uh, running out of bodies here late, um, you know, without Cousins. And, of course, the Miritich trade, I think, helped obviously a great deal. Rondo stepped up. Uh, but you wonder uh, how much gas is left in this tank. Uh, yeah. At the end of the season, can't get here quick enough. I mean, I don't know if the Pels, you know, obviously I think really, unless they just absolutely tank, they're going to be in the playoffs. But, uh, wow. Wow. Uh, Got some tough games coming up, too. You better believe Rockets, it. Rockets, and I'm going to the Celtics game Sunday. Are you really? Yeah, I'll be there. So, uh, hopefully. We'll pull them through. Hopefully, they, they, they get it together for Sunday. But um, we got so much to hit on. Let's get to our part. Let's get part in shots. Let's get to our starting uh, lineup. It's been a short show. It's a short it? show. Yeah, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Let's get to our starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. I'm not gonna let you off the hook that easy, Puff. Oh. We got a, we got a couple more hours to go, my friend. But we got a fun show. Like I mentioned several times, we'll talk about March Madness. We've got a four-down segment where we will look at spring football. Looking forward to that. Oh, I'm looking forward to that, Puff. And and we'll also talk about uh, free agency in the NFL. Yes. Which free agency pickup or transaction will result in the biggest impact? That's the question I have today. So you can let us know at 888-993-7762. The, the show is wide open today. We don't have any guests. We're talking sports. We're talking basketball. We're talking football. And uh, we're looking forward to your texts and your calls. A little bit of college baseball as well. Yes. We'll get to that next, actually. We'll, we'll preview the weekend uh, for ULM, Louisiana Tech, Gremlin State, and LSU. So if you got an opinion, you want to talk to us, 888-993-7762. More after this. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. I'm excited uh, for a big college baseball weekend. Uh, several schools are getting underway in conference play. And I think we need to start with Louisiana Tech going against Rice in a three-game series. You know, Puff, even though it's Rice, I, I still feel like Tech should be favored just because of what the pitching staff has done so far this year. The Owls are 9-10, and 10, but they're 2-5 and five in road contest. And Tech being at home, plus with, with the pitching as hot as it is, I think I think we're going to find out just how good Louisiana Tech is this weekend. Yeah, and I think, you know, we had a, a little bit of a precursor of that over in Frisco when they beat, uh, you know, A&M, uh, Baylor. Uh, they should have could have won that ball game. I think they stranded 13. They beat California. Yeah. We're up big. In that one, uh, two names to remember: uh, David Leal, big six-five, two fifty-pound left-hander for Tech, has just been lights out so far. Matt Miller. So with the, you got the arms that, that Tech's got. It's a, you know, it's a possibility against Rice, a traditionally strong program. Wayne Graham's been there one hundred nineteen years, I believe, uh, or he is one hundred nineteen. But uh, Rice is, you know, they started off slow last year, but uh, they're coming to Ruston again for a three-game set. And then, um, yeah, if you want to see some more great baseball, just go another five or ten miles down the road to uh, to Grambling. They're opening with uh, they're playing Southern in the third uh, weekend of SWAC baseball. So, if you want to see some college baseball this weekend, at least uh, up here, uh, Lincoln Parish is going to be the place to be. Oh yeah, Ben sprinkling some knowledge on us. Rice is pretty banged up on the mound, an all conference catcher. 
Dominic DiCaprio hasn't played since March 2nd. Golden opportunity for the Bulldogs. Yeah, it, uh, the table's set for them. And, uh, again, I think, you know, as Tech gets into this season, I think uh, that, that obviously that uh, those opportunities in Frisco uh, gave a little bit of an insight into just how good this team can be uh, when you can play teams of that caliber, Baylor, California, and A&M and win two out of three. Uh, but again, you know, you don't want to you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Rice is uh, traditionally strong. Uh, there have been some epic matches matchups between these two schools, and uh, I don't think any we'll see anything less uh, than I'm, that this looking, weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Now, ULM has got a tough test with South Alabama. I got to see South Alabama uh, Wednesday. I had to write about LSU mm-hmm. South Alabama for Danny Don. They're a good squad, man. And they you look at their schedule. They played a who's who this year. They're nine and eight, and mm-hmm. with a nine and eight record against the likes of, they they look they beat Southern Miss, mm-hmm. a ranked Southern Miss. They beat a ranked Oklahoma. They took two from ULL. That lineup is dangerous. LSU had to use six different pitchers after AJ Labus. Labus had a great outing, but after him, LSU's bullpen fell apart against that lineup. That lineup is dangerous. So, ULM. Uh, you're going to get tested this weekend with a really good South Alabama squad. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, maybe uh, ULM's been, probably been a little bit exposed uh, opening them with a kind of a weak schedule. But, uh, again, I think they're going to, you know, Mike Federico's got this team competing very hard. Um, and I think but this is a, a huge matchup uh, down in Mobile this weekend. The Jaguars, as you indicated, uh, you know, who they play to this point. Uh, who's who? Yeah. Mark Calvey, uh, keep remember that name. That could be your next coach at Mississippi State. Uh, he's in he's in the the rumor mill there as a possibility at Mississippi State to succeed Andy Canazero. Uh, that's a traditionally strong program not, that nobody really pays a lot of attention to. But, uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that when you see uh, – I think Eddie Stank. I mean, this this is there's a lot of historical perspective at South Alabama that a lot of people don't know about, and that's a very tough opener, the conference opener down in Mobile against uh, the Southern USA Jaguars. And listen, LSU's got a tough one too. With Much Missouri. improved, yeah. Missouri is, you know, you start looking at it, they're fourteen and three, and I was looking at their schedule. They scored twenty on Nebraska, twenty two on FIU, fourteen on Alabama A and M. Man, that LSU staff better be ready. And Zach Hess has been on fire. I, I look for him to continue that hot streak. And the pitching has been much improved. You know, we, the first couple of weeks it was really bad. Had had a ten something ERA. They've they've improved dramatically since then. But uh, they better step it up when they face this dangerous Missouri lineup. LSU's lineup, by the way, has been for the most part as good as advertised. They have double digit hits in eleven of the eighteen games this season. I think they're going to need a lot of fireworks offensively to compete with this Missouri team. Yeah, I mean to quote Chris Blair, "This isn't your daddy's Missouri team." <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. They're a lot better than they've been in the past, and uh, you know they are coming into into the box this weekend. And uh, you know LSU's been a little shaky at times. Uh, their offense will disappear for a few innings, and then they'll come back. Uh, uh, the pitching has been relatively stable, but again, uh, this is the this is the opener. Missouri comes in with uh, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I think uh, this is going to be a, a really great weekend. Hopefully, the weather will hold up down in Baton Rouge for the uh, SEC opener between LSU and Missouri. Lots of good baseball in Louisiana this weekend, and Grambling State. Uh, they'll be hooking it up with Southern again. Southern actually beat. Grambling eight to seven and extras earlier this year, but since then Southern has lost nine of thirteen. So I think Grambling's looking for a little bit of payback this weekend. Yeah, I mean I think Grambling sits at about ten and eight right now. They've already and as I indicated, this is their third uh, conference weekend of play. Uh, they could play in Tiddlywinks uh, and Grambling Southern, and it uh, you know it bring a lot of folks to it. Uh, this will be no different. Uh, it is in in uh, Lincoln Parish at. at uh, Ellis Field there, and I hope uh, you know. Hopefully, the Tigers can be successful. They gave uh, LSU a good run for about six or seven innings, and then kind of ran out of arms. Yeah. But uh, again, good luck to the Tigers in a uh, in a great classic matchup between Grambling and Southern. <laughs> Gary on the Stuart Shelby text line says, "If y'all run out of sports talk, can we get Puffy's top ten do's and don'ts with women? Would be gold." Yeah, absolutely. There's there's <laughs> no uh, there's no charge for that, by the way. If we run out of uh, stuff to talk about, uh, 
I'll be happy. But uh, believe Sean, me. Sean's listening going, please don't run out of sports to talk about. Uh, <laughs> we'll do our best. Uh, absolutely. I don't uh, – as I tell Sean, don't uh, – I'm not the smartest in the room. I'm just I'm just older and have more experience. So I'm, and I'm anxious to share that with everyone. Uh, we're thankful for that knowledge. Uh, Quint says the biggest signing is the resigning of Breeze. Can you imagine the Saints' offense without him at quarterback? Yeah. Well, so when I when I came up with that question, I I tried to word it in a way that I I didn't include Breeze because I thought that would be the easiest one, right? Mm-hmm. I think if if Breeze was included, we would both agree that Breeze was hands down the the, the best acquisition. That's why I try to do, um, you know, acquisition. So I, I think if, if, if you're talking about that, if you want to make it a compelling debate, I think we have to exclude Drew Brees because he's the no-brainer in that discussion. Yeah, I think so. And, I, you know, they were right in the, uh, right in the conversation for a uh, Jordy Nelson. Yes. To, uh, you know, maybe replace. Could you Wayne imagine Herman? that, him throwing a Jordy Nelson? Yeah, even a, a you know, 33-year-old Jordy Nelson, I, I like that idea. They they gave it, a, a, you know, a shot at Jimmy Graham. Uh, obviously, it came down to the Packers and the Saints, and for more money, I think Jimmy Graham went to Green Bay. So, yep. some interesting signings by the Saints so far. They are in the conversation for Indomitian Sue. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, I like who they've gotten so far, uh, bringing Patrick Robinson back, Demario Davis from uh, from the Jets at linebacker, played at Arkansas back. State. Yeah, Bring, bringing Bushrod back. Oh, are they bringing him back? Getting the old uh, crew back together. Well, all, all we need is uh, who is the guy from North? I mean, yeah, I mean, this is uh, – maybe we can bring back Swilling in, uh, in the uh, Dome Patrol. But, uh, <laughs> again, this is, uh, you know, an interesting offseason. I, I kind of hate to see – I hope the Vaccaro situation doesn't come back to haunt him, uh, but he was been up and down. Delvin Bro uh, is out. Uh, Brandon Coleman's out. Raphael Bush is out. Calamente is, I think, a bigger loss than people think. He's signed with Houston. So I'm a little bit concerned about that offensive line from a depth perspective and the defensive backfield. I think, you know, I think everybody is sitting on the edge of your seat, and I know you are too. Um, Jake, I, we sure hope the Honey Badger comes I knew you were going back. there. Yeah. yeah I, no guarantees, though. What's funny, too, is if you get on Twitter and you just look at NFL players, everybody wants him on their team. Even yeah. J.J. Watt tweeted about it. Said, come, come play with us, bro. And, of course, I've seen a lot from uh, Jamal Adams. He wants him to come play with him in the Jets' backfield, defensive backfield. But, man – I hope that happens. That would be really sweet if they got him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to be – the Saints are going to have to – and maybe this is not a good indication when they, they lost Graham and Nelson and so forth. I think they're uh, – and obviously with Mr. Benson's passing, it's going to be a little bit – who's going, who's in charge of the purse strings right now? Um, uh, Mickey Lewis. Listen, I will say this to Mickey Lewis. Listen to whatever Jeff Ireland says. Yes. If he <laughs> says go after this guy, do it. Do it. So uh, put, your, put your ego on the back burner. Listen to Jeff Ireland. If he says make the move, do it. Amen. And Richie says the biggest signing happens today. Sue will sign during his visit. <laughs> uh, a little prediction from Richie there. I wish that would happen, uh, but uh, that didn't happen with Wilkinson and some of the others, so uh, I don't have my hopes up <laughs> you, on that. You can still hope, though. You can still cross those It'd fingers. It'd be a big addition, I would think. But, you know, Sean Payton's real big on culture, too. True. And uh, so we'll see if he feels it's going to have to be a fit in the locker room as well. No doubt. Well, there was our uh, college baseball uh, preview with a little bit of free agency talk mixed in there. Uh, coming up next, we will talk about March Madness. I, I'm, I've got some notes here on, on all the teams that, that I watched yesterday, and uh, I'm ready to rant a little bit because a couple teams had their chance, and they blew it, and I'm upset about it. We'll get to that after this. Welcome back in Sports Talk 97.7. You know, unfortunately in life, bad things happen to us. Uh, happens to a lot of us, doesn't it, Jake? It does. All the time. But if you're struggling with some part of trauma and want some professional help, you should consider EMDR therapy, trauma therapy that is, from Amber White at Firm Foundations in Monroe. Amber White is one of the few therapists in our area trained in EMDR therapy, a type of therapy which uses eye movement, and other stimulation to assist clients in processing distressing memories and beliefs. And goodness knows I've had a lot of those. <laughs> so uh, they also uh, they accept Blue Cross, Vantage, and TRICARE, all accepted at Firm Foundation. So if you're interested in learning more about EMDR trauma therapy, call Firm Foundations today at 318-654-7010. That's area code 318-654-7010. 
or go online to myfirmfoundations.com for more information. I've actually talked to Amber about this type of therapy. It's actually kind of fascinating as she describes it. So uh, very fortunate in our area to have some folks that can deal with some problems that you may be facing in life. And uh, I think some, some people could use some counseling right now, some college basketball coaches. So. Yeah. Let me say something. Nobody does a read like you, Puff, and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. Mm-hmm. I love the way you interject your, your opinion throughout. But uh, well, I hope Firm Foundation yeah. does. <laughs> that's, I guess that's what counts, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we got some text here I want to hit on before we move on to March Madness. Richie says, Eric Reed says he hasn't been signed yet because of protesting, totally ignoring the fact that everyone is fighting over Matthew and Earl Thomas. Shane says, Sue will take more visits and most likely take the most money. I'd like to have him. I just know we won't pay him the most. And Richie says, that's why we get it done, Puff. They let Wilkerson slip away. Shouldn't let it happen again. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got an opportunity here with Sue. I mean, again, the the thing you got to – and I think um, with them even in the conversation with Jimmy Graham again, maybe, you know, all sins are forgiven, so to speak. If there was a rift between them, it, it obviously wasn't uh, permanent. And – um you, well, I, I think Sue could make a huge contribution with Rankins up front, and I think that's where the, the Saints could benefit. I think they're fine on the edge. It's the uh, it's the interior. Yes. If Rankins goes down, uh, you know, after losing Fairley, what do you do? Exactly. So Sue yeah. would be a big addition. Yeah. Missing Fairley is going to hurt, especially, like you said, if Rankins goes down, they're in a world of trouble. So, yes, they definitely need to get some depth up front. But let's, let's move over to March Madness. Um, yesterday – Puff, I was thinking about you during some of these games. We, we broke it down. We gave our predictions. And I got to tell you, I feel good about your Final Four pick in Tennessee. Uh, they they started us off with a, a bang. I mean, they were dominant. They played bully ball underneath. And I just see them. You know, I, I said, I've said all along this year, I thought they were the best SEC team just because they were so fundamentally sound. And the SEC, by the way, 4-0, 4-0 yesterday. Didn't have any team lose, so I, I thought that really showed the the strength of the conference. And I, you know what, Puff Tennessee to the Final Four makes a lot of sense right right now. So you, you look like a pretty smart guy this morning. Well, you know, I don't know if that'll that'll hold, but obviously because Tennessee can disappear at times during the game. But I I think Rick Barnes is an underrated coach. I think that was a great hire by Tennessee. I like uh, you know what obviously what they did in the conference season. I think this is arguably. I don't know if it's even you can be making a strong argument. This is maybe the strongest SEC we've seen in a long time, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, you know you still got Arkansas, Missouri to play. Four and zero, as you indicated, Florida won strong. Um, yeah, I'm still going to stick with Tennessee. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, to see them go out. But I think, I think uh, they've won 20 plus games in the in the regular season. So I'm 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 thinking Tennessee is going to be right in the conversation. Uh, to the final four and as you said which i think is a great point sec is four no yes and we got a lot of great games yesterday i think you know i know you've been dying to talk about Loyola and miami the buzzer beater that was an incredible incredible finish um you know i i actually picked Loyola. that was one of the fewer things i got right i picked Loyola to upset miami uh, but I didn't think we'd see Dante Graham hit a buzzer beater like that in such a fashion. But that was a cool, uh, a cool game, cool finish. Oklahoma, Rhode Island was a mm. heck of a game. It, you had a, an overtime game there. Um, one thing in that game that I, I couldn't help but laugh at. Well, a couple things. First of all, did you see the bench? Rhode Island's bench doing a lot of rowing the boats and just acting a fool on the sidelines. I, I love that. I love when Bench has their own little antics. I saw Buffalo doing a lot of that. It's yeah. Or something similar. Rhode yeah. Island got us started with that on the day. It was it was really entertaining. The other thing was uh, Jared Tyrell from Rhode Island hit a deep three, and Reggie Miller was calling the game. And he looked over. I'm talking deep, Puff, like almost half court. And he it shouldn't have went in. And it, it, he sinks it. And he's uh, coming back. He's running back down the floor. And, the announcers were kind of losing their mind because it was so deep. And he looks over at Reggie Willie and just kind of winks at him. And I just – Reggie Miller acknowledged him. I thought that was really fun. But uh, Trey Young, he kind of became a facilitator in the first half. I, you know, say what you will. And the, I think the guy is unfairly criticized just because he's been put under a microscope early. But uh, he is a very good 
basketball player. Okay, he he can he's proved it by the way he gets his teammates involved, and by the way he's able to turn to take over games late. Uh, but Rhode Island uh, pulled it out. EC Matthews went off in that OT in, in overtime and uh, hit the hit the three for the dagger to to advance Rhode Island and sent Oklahoma packing. So I, I kind of like that just because mm-hmm. we criticize the committee so much for putting Oklahoma in. I was kind of glad Oklahoma didn't win so they could say, hey, see, told you so. This should have been in the tournament. Well, I think that should have been a uh, Rhode Island-Oklahoma State matchup perhaps. Yeah, uh, but uh, you see that uh, the seven-seed Rhode Island had uh, D- Danny Hurley of, of Hurley fame uh, in the Northeast is uh, – the head coach, I believe, at Rhode Island, and he had him, uh, which I thought if it went to OT, obviously would favor Oklahoma, but uh, Rhode Island uh, hung strong. I think that was a, a seven and ten matchup, and uh, you know, again, you saw that um, when you look around the around the brackets, Loyola, of course, uh, hanging in. That was a uh, they were eleven seed, six and eleven, and uh, that was you know, one of the few upsets. Yeah, and it could have been, as you indicated, and most people. I mean, the uh, Jack Rapids of South Dakota State. Uh, yeah, here's a lot of I... people were right there with you, Jake. Is is that was going to be a twelve upsetting a five? This is what I want to talk about. So first of all, let's let's talk about the positive. How good is Mike Dom? I mean, he, he was he good. He gets angry when he hits the rim. Like that's how efficient he is from outside. He is just a sharp shooter. Uh, but I felt like we got the old Ohio State. Got to give Ohio State a lot of credit. They played excellent defense. Um, and they controlled the game for the most part. But then the Jackrabbits make that run late. They tie it at 70 with like two minutes to go, and then they blow it. They fouled Williams twice shooting three-pointers, and one of them he hit. So that was a 7-0 run. Six of those points were uh, – were, were, I'm sorry, four of those points were, caught, were made at the free-throw line. And so you go from being right there in the game, you have all the momentum to fouling a three-point shooter, and you did it twice. And that's ultimately why they fell in that game. But uh, South Dakota State had a chance, man. They should have won that game. Yeah, eight points being the uh, deciding margin of victory in Ohio State's favor. And as you indicated, that's that's really what the game came down to. So the Jackrabbits, I think, you know, with the exception of that uh, little lapse in judgment there late in the game, I think they were right there with the, with the Buckeyes. So, uh, again, I think that's the story, uh, Jake, of, of this first round is the uh, the teams that couldn't quite finish it off, like South Dakota State, like Davidson, uh, you know, like Stephen F. Austin. Um, Loyola managed to do it. Buffalo managed to do it. But can you imagine? Had San all Diego those, State, too. Almost San Diego State. Almost beating Houston. Yeah, so had all those games gone, uh, that can you imagine what everybody's bracket would look like this morning? So <laughs> would have been insane. Uh, and, and last last thing I want to touch on about yesterday, Alabama wins. Colin Sexton goes off. He scores 21 points in the second half and hit a really tough fadeaway to to beat a very good and well coached Virginia Tech team. Puff is, is Sexton the guy that's going to carry Alabama through the tournament? I mean, we've seen this happen before with with, with guys like Kimball Walker and you know Steph Curry with Davidson a decade ago is Colin Sexton the next player to do this uh yes okay he's, he's good uh and I tell you uh, Alabama's a, a team that uh was doing you know fairly well in the conference and then you know you thought they weren't even going to make the tournament there late they lost five straight in the conference going in uh not upset Auburn in the tournament uh Avery Johnson's bunch has been uh a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde this year but uh when they're on and when Colin Sexton is on they can beat anybody mm-hmm and uh, the fact that they won this uh, this first round, I picked them to beat Virginia Tech. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I, and even though I'm a big Buzz Williams Vitek fan, I thought Alabama uh, has a chance. I mean, this is a very, very strong Southeastern Conference. This it year. is. They're proving it. And Alabama's proof of that. It is. And I want to get back to the text line. Matt Bowman says. Honey Badger and Black and Gold couldn't think of a better fit. The Honey Badger would change the whole mindset of that backfield and give them the edge that they had been missing for a long time. Here's what scares me about Honey Badger, and I think this is going to be – this is what's going to disappoint a lot of Saints fans. Do you want to uh, – even though he comes back and visits, but he's been in Arizona the last five years. I know where you're going here. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I know this is a little uncomfortable to talk about, but – and I think hopefully, you know, he's obviously been a lot of years to mature out there in Arizona. But can Honey Badger come back to his hometown? Will he be sucked in 
so to speak, by some of the influences right. that weren't as good. Um, obviously, the fans want him. Uh, I think maybe sentimentally he does too. Uh, but is somebody going to be in his ear going, you don't need to come back to this, you don't need to come back to this? I think if the money's close, I think he's got, you know, the Saints have a shot at signing him. Um, you, I, if you lose, I mean, people say what they want. I, I, I'm not real comfortable letting Bro, Vaccaro, and Raphael Bush all three get away. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm not saying you could keep all of them, but. Uh, but. But back to your point, I think you bring up a great point. I think it's worth discussing because we do know his, his, his you know, past demons and. I, Honey Badger is one of my favorite stories just because of what happened at LSU mm-hmm. and Les Miles gave him sh- chance after chance after chance and did not want to kick him off but ultimately had to. Mm-hmm. And then he goes off to Arizona with Patrick Peterson, who was a great influence in his life, and becomes a success story. I love that. I love that story. And so, you know, the, the, the talk of him coming to New Orleans possibly as a free agent, I think it's worth discussing that, you know, he didn't excel in that environment years ago. And, yes, he's matured, and, and I hope he's, you know, I hope he could handle that, right? We all do. But uh, I think it's, it's definitely uh, something worth bringing up because it is, it is a factor. Well, here's the good news. Uh, he's only like 27, 28 years old. He's, uh, he's, he's still, you know, obviously got a lot of years left in him. Um, if all things being this, you know, being what they are, I think, you know, from the standpoint of marketing and so forth, I think the, you know, New Orleans, uh, particularly after losing Tom Benson, you know, we, we need somebody to rally around and he would be the one to do Ooh. it. Uh, again, it's just depending on where he is, uh, you know, and who he listens to, um, and how healthy he can stay. That's been, again, a, that's been a bit of a problem for him in his been. NFL career. But a healthy honey badger, a healthy Tyron Matthew, man, he, he is electric. Well, and, that, and, and like I said, I think, you know, people can say what they want, but, I mean, losing losing Bro and Vaccaro and Bush is, is a bigger loss than people think. Uh, even though I like, you know, they obviously think with Lattimore and Williams and, Williams and so yeah. forth. It's it's there. But, uh, and again, Bro was, you know, uh, a Louisiana guy that couldn't stay healthy. So, uh Tyron Matthew would be a big addition, and Dominican Sue. It's, it's it's great to – I mean, obviously the Saints are trying, but it seems like when it comes down to signing on the dotted line, maybe their uh, dollars come up just a little bit short. That's what it's looking like so far. Uh, and I know we're, we're young into the free agency. But listen, since everybody keeps texting us about football, why don't we take a break here, come okay. back with some four downs. We'll okay. talk – all, we'll talk free agency, and we'll we'll hit up on uh, spring practice and, and what it means for the local schools. Super. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Richie says fans want Matthew. Michael Thomas wants Matthew. No reports that the Saints are actually interested in Matthew. Total speculation. Well, that's what we're here for, Richie, to speculate. And by the way, since so many people want to talk about football, that's pretty much dominated our text line. We figure, why not give you some football talk? We'll do a little four downs, puff. We'll spring touch, ball, maybe? Spring ball, and we'll touch on the NFL. Talk about free agency since everyone's got an opinion on the free agency. So, with that said, Tabor, cue the music. We will start off with first down. All right, puff. Which free agency acquisition is going to have the biggest impact? And we, of course, are excluding Drew Brees resigning with the Saints. You know, right now I'd almost have to say Jordy Nelson. Signing really? With uh, with Oakland, I think is 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 a big one. Uh, even though I, you know, mainly because he's got thirteen guaranteed, thirteen million guaranteed. That's like, uh, you know, that's Aaron Dietrich money we're talking about right there. Um, total two year, fifteen million dollar contract. I think, uh, gosh, there's so many. I think also, Jake. I look at Philadelphia mm-hmm. and what they've done with that defensive line, bringing in. Uh, Halote, uh, I believe it's the G is silent. Nada. Nada, thank yeah. you. Uh, Halote Nada, uh, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Timmy Jernigan, Michael Bennett, Derek Barnett, Chris Long. They kept him. It looks like they're going to jettison Vinny Curry. So I would say right now the Super Bowl champions are going to be pretty salty across they that are. defensive line. You know, so I, I, I put a lot of thought into this because I was, I was trying not to say what I felt would be the obvious, but – I kind of keep going back to it. I thought about making the case for the Jags with Andrew Noel, the, the, mm-hmm. the guard. They've it's a been, big pickup. 
It's a huge pickup. And I also thought about Allen Robinson with the Bears because I, I think both are going to have huge in- impacts as you know, the Jaguars already had a top-tier rushing attack, and they just went and got another guard, a really good guard, to improve that running game. And so that just shows you the commitment they have to the running rushing attack. And then you look at the, the Bears, and, and Mitch Trubisky needed someone. He needed some help at wide receiver. They go out and get Allen Robinson, so I thought about that. But I keep going back to Kirk Cousins at Minnesota. I just I keep going back to that one. It just – I think it depends on how much better you view Cousins than any other quarterbacks the Vikings had. Me personally, and I know he didn't have the best of year last year, but I think we've seen it enough with with the Washington Redskins. I think he's a Super Bowl bid better, but he has to go out there and prove it, right? I, I, I think he's better than what they had, and I think he's the missing link to get them to the Super Bowl. I think the Vikings go all the way, you know, Barring injury, of course, but Kirk Cousins, I think he's going to have a huge impact for the Vikings. You know, that's a lot of that's the richest contract in NFL history. Uh, he better be good, right? Three years, fully guaranteed at eighty-four million. Uh, I think the thing that, that works in Kirk Cousins' favor is his age. He's right at thirty. Yeah. Uh, he's got some productive, obviously coming into maybe his arguably his most productive three years ahead of him. He does have a lot of nice pieces around him uh, at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, the defense. Is so good in Minnesota. Yeah, uh, I think that'll uh, you know they have an opportunity. So he has an opportunity, I think, to see the field a lot because I think Minnesota is going to turn a lot of people over. Um, I looked at some several teams too that I wondered who maybe did the best, and you know the Browns obviously are going to be better. I think. You know what? Uh, the Jets too, perhaps. We make fun of the Browns so much, but I actually like what they did in free agency. I do too. And. I think it takes some pressure off of them in the draft. You know, getting Hyde, getting Taylor yeah, as a quarterback and, and running back, you know, it doesn't put the pressure on them that they have to go out there and get Barkley. And if they choose to, to, to get Barkley number one overall and, and take a quarterback at number four, I think, you, you know, getting Taylor makes it more understand, uh, understandable. Mm-hmm. So I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you there about the Browns, but – Ultimately, I, I just keep going back to the Vikings. I think the Vikings getting Kirk Cousins was the biggest move. And sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer. And so that's just what I keep going back to. I'm also interested to see if Nick Foles stays in Philadelphia. I think that's important. I think, uh, you know, we'll see perhaps what the Rams obviously made a lot of noise last year. They pick up Marcus Peters and in, in that, in that uh, I think they keep Joyner as well in that defensive backfield. So I think the Rams are going to make some noise. Uh, the Packers, I think. Jimmy Graham, that's look, I'm interested in seeing how it works. I've yeah. I've sat here and I've said that I, I thought the Saints did right by not overpaying Graham and by looking at the draft and saying we can get a stud or two in this in this NFL draft for a lot cheaper. That said, you know, I, I'd be lying if I didn't look at Jimmy Graham joining the Packers and going, Man, Aaron Rodgers is gonna have a field day with him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, you know I'm interested to see if uh where Michael Crabtree signs as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I think I think the Packers have another move or two left in them, uh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see. You have to, everybody keeps forgetting uh, Aaron Rodgers missed most of last year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you bring in a couple of nice little pieces around him as well. It's going to be a very interesting. I'm, I'm This is probably uh, free agency. I, I agree with you. I think I've, it's completely taken my mind off the draft, which is a good thing. Because do, do you not like the draft? No, I love the draft, it's but just, I'll, all I can do is, I mean, it's just, I, I, I will watch 9,262 uh, <laughs> mock drafts yeah. before, uh, before uh, you know, it, it actually occurs. So, I'm uh, free you. agency has actually done a good thing for everybody's <laughs> mental health, I believe. Right. No, that's a good point, because I'm, I'm with you, too. I'll watch so many of these mock drafts, and then when we get to the draft, you get to draft day, you think you know how it's yeah. going to go, and it goes completely opposite. It never fails. But that's why I, lo- I love the draft, too. Well, and, and your Cleveland, uh, don't Cleveland it again. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I know it's tempting. I know it's tempting. You got Carlos Hyde. You got Tyra. Draft Saquon Barkley. Don't let him go to the Giants. I know. And now here's, here's another thing. Here's a, another uh, X factor, though, with the Browns. Joe Thomas retired. Yeah. So they're going to pick Quentin Nelson. Pick him at four. But get. I don't care what so you got to do. So you're saying get Barkley? At one. And then don't even draft a quarterback at four. You'll have that opportunity. But, yeah, I do. But 
you know, Darnold or Rosen's going to fall to you at four. I think. I think so too. Yeah. But I was just wondering if you if you were saying you know no, they need to go offensive line. But I don't think it. you I don't think you make the ch- and then Terry disagrees with me. But have you seen this Barkley guy work out? I, have. I mean, this guy is a freak. And I and I've watched him play at, at Penn State. And you can match him with Hyde in that backfield. He, you got to. The question is, he's kind of a home run threat. Saquon Barkley is. He's not a. He's he's not. I don't know how much often you can ride him. I don't know how many carries you can give him in a game. If he's going to be like an Ezekiel Elliott, so to speak. And I, okay. for me, if you look at it like that, if you think about the number one overall pick, and I, I never really think you should get a running back. As Everybody feels that way. Right. Just because of the value. But he's a, he's he is a freak among freaks. Well, he? and you can share those. You can share the workload with Hyde, and you got okay. Tyro Tyrod Taylor is is good enough. I think he was. I'm with you too, though. I I don't hate that simply because you know the quarterbacks. I'm not sold on Josh Allen, who seems to be the number one guy. And so make somebody else draft Allen and see who falls to you, and then take the best at four. I, I agree with you on that. I, I you know normally I would say yes, you go quarterback. But you have two picks in the top four. Make you know, take advantage of it. Exactly. All right, second down. We went pretty long on that first down, Puff. Uh, which in state college football player has the most to prove this spring? Okay. I love this question. Again, I had a very difficult I mean, the obvious choice is Miles Brennan at LSU. Okay. Uh, you know, he's our Lowell Narcisse, our Justin McMillan. <laughs> Or, you don't even have to include yeah, McMillan. Yeah, I don't think he's in the – but you never know. Uh, who knows at LSU right now. This is a very thin team at defensive back. Yes. Uh, we talked to Jordy Collotti yesterday. So, obviously, anybody they can get this summer to play defensive back at LSU, that that, that was just uh, – uh, well, we won't get into – but I want to go with Miles Brennan at LSU. I'm going to go with who's going to play quarterback at Grambling. Is it going to be Higginbotham? Is it going to be mm-hmm. Charles Wright? Uh you know, let's. I do think that, uh, and if let's go a little bit further down uh, I-20 back this direction, um, who has to have a big spring? I think uh, Jaquez Dancy at at, uh, at Tech. He has to re- replace. Uh, Listen, the running back situation Boston. I think is is a little one iffy that's there. Concerning L- for Louisiana Tech. A little, little dicey. I think Jamar Smith's going to have a super junior year though. Here's so. my thing. So you touched on quite a few there. Yeah. I think this is usually reserved for insert LSU quarterback name here. Right. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.